Everything I have is yours. This uh, parable of the prodigal son is uh, referred to this way, the parable of the prodigal son, even though maybe it should be uh, called the parable of the two sons or of the prodigal father, the merciful father. Uh, Because it's not just the son who runs away and wastes all his inheritance uh, that is the object of this beautiful story. It's one of the longest parables in the whole New Testament and one of Jesus' masterworks that is iconic, emblematic of the whole gospel, of the whole good news of God's love for humanity and how far he's willing to come to save us, to bring us back, to reconcile us to himself. Everything I have is yours, the father says, to the older son. But neither son really understands this. This is the whole problem, not just with these two boys, but with all of us. So we don't understand what it means that the father says, everything I have is yours. It's been said that sin is grasping at what is meant to be received. From the time of Adam and Eve, when they grasped at the fruit that they weren't supposed to have, even though every single fruit of every single tree other than that one was available to them for God to give them everything that they needed, they had to grasp at the one thing that they knew was off limits, and in doing so, made everything into um, not, no longer a gift but a burden. Their whole life, in fact, was, was misery and pain because they hadn't received what God had wanted to give them in the first place. Well, this is the two sons, the prodigal who says, I want my half now. I don't want to wait till you're dead. I I wish you were dead today because then I could get my inheritance. And the father being prodigal and merciful says, fine, take it. Just as he let Adam and Eve grasp at the fruit, he says, you're free. I won't have you as a slave, only as a son. And so if you don't want to be here, you don't have to. He takes what should have been received and enjoyed in the father's presence and separates himself from the father. I used to think as a kid when I first heard this story that, man, it would have been nice if he, hadn't, if he had like, done something with that wealth instead of wasting it. Did it have to end this way with him wallowing in the mud with the, with the swine? I thought, well, what, why couldn't he have gotten a nice job, gone to college, done well for himself? Right? But that's not the point. It never could have been that way apart from the father. He was bound to waste the gifts. That's sin. We want the things God gives us, but on our terms, not on his. And if it's that, if it's that way, if it's going to be that way, then we're always going to waste it. We'll always fritter it away in a life of dissipation. But the older son is not much better. When the son finally comes back and makes his little re- rehearsed speech and the father welcomes him back, clothes him with the robe, slaughters the fattened calf, throws the party, the older son is not happy to have his brother back. He's bitter. He says... I've slaved for you, and you didn't even give me a goat. And this son of yours, he doesn't even recognize him as his brother, this son of yours who swallowed up your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughter the fattened calf? Kind of reminds me of an old joke. This uh, woman was teaching catechism and, and this story and asked the children, who wasn't happy when the prodigal son came home? And this girl's hand shot up and she said, the fattened calf. <laughs> this is true. Fattened calf had to die to celebrate, but the older son is bitter because he can only see the property that was wasted. He can only see that I have never gotten to do what he did. See, he's jealous because he doesn't have the guts to do what the prodigal son did. He wishes he could be apart from the father, but he can't because he's afraid. 
And so it's just as bad. He doesn't see that everything I have belongs to you. St. Bernard of Clairvaux said there were three ways to love God. Two of them not ideal, one of them the best. The two non-ideal ways are the love of a slave or the obedience of a slave, which is this older son. He's afraid of the punishments, so he'll obey because, you know, I don't want to get outside of the father's good graces because then he might hurt me. The second is the obedience of a mercenary, one who obeys, but not because they love or particularly care about their master, but because they want what he's going to give them, money, food, whatever. This is the younger son who finally comes to his senses and isn't sorry for his sin on their own merits, but because he's hungry. He says, at least the servants get food. Maybe I'll say, I'm not, I don't deserve to be your son anymore. Let me be your slave. But neither of those is actual love, actual obedience. The third way of, of loving God or obeying God is the love of the son or the daughter, who's not afraid of God for what he might do to you, the punishments or withdrawing certain gifts, but is afraid of displeasing God. I remember when my mother used to say, if I was misbehaving at home and my dad was at work, wait till your father gets home. My father was never cruel to us. He wouldn't hurt me. But it broke my heart to think, my mom's going to tell my dad that I've been a bad kid. And I don't want my dad to think that about me. I was afraid of displeasing him. That's the kind of love of God that we're meant to have. Not that we're afraid of him, that he's so big and he might hurt me, because, oh, I'll, I'll do this because I might get eternal life out of it, and heaven sounds pretty nice. But since we love God, he's saved us. He's brought us back to himself. That is why we serve him. And I'll end with this. The father goes to extremes to bring back both of these sons. This is the lesson of, of the parable. It's not so much the behavior of the sons, but the behavior of the father is what's prodigal, is what's excessive. And he says to the older son, "What everything I have is yours. But he might also say, everything you have is mine. There's been an interpretation of this parable uh, for some modern scholars that says that people who would have heard Jesus tell this story, it's, it's just a story, it's a parable. But if it had really happened, something like this, if a son had done something so disgraceful, like telling his father basically in effect, I wish you were dead and can we act like you're dead now and just give me the money that would have happened to me if you had died and then go and waste it. And everyone would have known this story in town. And as soon as they saw this pathetic figure coming up the hill in his rags, starving to death, <clears throat> there would have been plenty of people waiting to heckle him, to say, you're not welcome here. You disgraced your father in his house. Get out of here. But the father doesn't even give people the chance. The father, who should be the most offended one, he's the one who runs out. They say he would have been wearing a robe like mine. Imagine me running in these vestments. How silly that might look. Like I'm running out to meet somebody in my finest clothes. They would have immediately said, you're the ridiculous one. <laughs> you're the one worthy of making fun of, of deriding. You're the disgrace. How dare you not demand that your son pay, him, pay you back what he, what he stole from you, what he owes you. He took on the shame, in other words, the guilt. In giving the son everything that belongs to the father, he took, a, took away everything that belongs to the son, all his disgrace, all his misery, all his poverty. Now look at the cross. Jesus comes to us in his divinity in his perfection, in his holiness, and says, everything I have is yours, comes to us in this Eucharist. 
says, take it and eat it, drink it. It's my blood given up for you. Every grace you could possibly imagine, even unto eternal life, belongs to you because I'm your brother. I've become one with you. And in you becoming one with me, I've taken on everything that you want to get rid of, that you must get rid of. Your darkness, your sin, your blindness, your deafness, your shame. I take it on myself. Everything I have is yours, and everything you have is mine.